Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Leah Diana, and today with my co-host and boyfriend, Sean Tatro, we will be winding back the reel all the way to 1944. Set in St. Louis in 1903, the well-off Smith family has four beautiful daughters, including Esther and little Tootie. 17-year-old Esther has fallen in love with the boy next door who has just moved in, John. However, he barely notices her at first. The family is shocked when Mr. Smith reveals that he has been transferred to a nice position in New York, which means that the family has to leave St. Louis and the St. Louis Fair. Come, meet me in St. Louis. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Meet Me in St. Louis is the tender, romantic story of the most popular young beauty of the early 1900s, of her crush on the boy next door, of her lovable, yet at times humorous family, You dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. doing champ this was a very long experience back in the 1940s nobody had anybody anything to do so going to the moving pictures was a grand event 
I had to keep them there for a while. It was two hours long. Why was this two hours long? You know what? Let's just start. I wonder if this had an intermission. It, no. Gone with the Wind had an intermission because that's four and a half hours long. That's a Fuck Lord of the running. Rings movie. That is one of the Lord of the Rings, but they had to put an intermission in that one. So, today, I'm Fun Fact Girl. Because I needed something to do in that movie. <laughs> I actually paid attention. You did. <laughs> I didn't have to pay attention to this one. I kind of knew it was going on based on, like, the tones and stuff. So, this movie was filmed in 1943 and released in 1944. The budget for the film was $1.8 million. It made $12.8 million. Back in 1944, it made $12.8 million. That's pretty substantial. Yeah. So, the trolley song that you saw Judy Garland sing was done in one single take. Holy shit. Yeah. Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, the song that Judy Garland sings that everybody knows now, was made for this film. What is this film? What did we do today? So, today... We're in St. Louis. So we watched Meet Me in St. Louis with Judy Garland. I didn't bother writing anybody else's names down. Um, but the little girl who plays Tootie is Margaret O'Brien. She is the only living survivor survivor of the golden age of cinema. Holy she is shit. still alive today. She is, I believe I wrote down... 80-something years old, and she was still acting up till 2018. Wow. Yeah. So, Go ahead. Uh, just to interject, other than Judy Garland and Margaret O'Brien, this film also stars Mary Astor, Lucille Bren- Bremer, Bremer, Tom Drake, who is a name that I've heard before, and Marjorie Maine. All pretty big names back in the 1940s during the golden age of cinema. And it was directed by Vincent Minnelli. Do you recognize that last name? Minnelli? Yes. Like Liza? That is <laughs> Judy Garland. She was 21 when she made this movie. Met Vincent Minnelli and they were married. Liza Minnelli is Vincent Minnelli's dad. Wow. Yes. Okay. And the note I have here, Vincent Minnelli and Judy Garland met on this movie and married soon afterwards. Minnelli was the director for the film. Garland claimed that she married him because she felt extremely beautiful beautiful during this film. She was very pretty during this film. Very pretty. I agree. The American Film Institute ranked this film 10th on the greatest movie musicals list. Two songs from the film... The Trolley Song and Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas made it onto the top 100. The Trolley Song is at number 26 for all-time musicals. And Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is number 76. Wow. Yep. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, this... Um... This was this movie is very long. It is very. They are very long. Uh, I honestly feel like they probably could have like 
lost three of the. Leah's making a face. Oh! Continue. I feel like they, they could have lost three of the musical numbers just to trim some fat out. It was a lot extra. There was also... Alright, let's just go step by step. First off, since this movie has a Christmas theme... I We're broke... nowhere near Christmas. Well, at the time this is shooting, the time of us filming this, we're three weeks away from Christmas 2021. Okay, when so you're seeing for you guys, this, you're it's like March or April. So there's no, we're nowhere near Christmas. We also don't have a copy of this film, or we do, and it's in storage right now. Because I was dumb and didn't think, hey, we should go get the movie out of storage. That's all right. So I have put up my little ha Halloween Christmas tree as a representation. Good enough. Good enough. But since this is a Christmas film, loosely, there's a Halloween. It's like a from summer to spring it's kind of like a year in this family life family's life so i broke out the peppermint mocha coffee and sean please tell me what you think of this coffee well so this is peppermint mocha as you said uh light roast from signature blends and uh, it is a shaw's company shaw's brand here. um exclusive to them we've had a few of their things before but never this this one an interesting aroma terrified it tastes like a cigar it tastes like I'm token on a fat stogie but it was lit wrong and all I've got is fucking cigar bits in my mouth this is what this tastes like now don't get me wrong if it had a sweetener in it it would probably pull the mocha and the peppermint out more it smells like peppermint mocha. It tastes like old man farts. This tastes like I'm licking a dirty ashtray. Yeah, see? <laughs> At my grandparents' house on Christmas Eve. This Nothing is... against my grandparents. <laughs> but or their ashtray, but... Everything against their ashtray. This is... Shaw's, this is not good. Like, Ooh. we don't put anything in our coffee. I only put peppermint, uh, not peppermint, I put um, pumpkin spice in a lot of my coffees because I like that flavor. But I don't put cream or sugar in it. I don't know if we've gone over this in the past, but I, like I have, yeah, I have two rules to my coffee. Oh. It's got to be hot and it's got to be as black as my soul. So I don't put milk in it. I don't spice it up with anything. It's giving me heartburn. I don't think it's heartburn. I think it's the the peppermint aftertaste. It's not. It's not for us. And I'm glad I bought this and not the $12 bag of Starbucks. Because yeah, it's only 5 bucks. Fuck, this is terrible. Yep, but we're going to power through it because it's coffee. I, I do this for you. We could have switched to tea. We should have switched to tea. <laughs> I would have preferred tea with peppermint in it. Oh, God. All right, so this movie, being set in 1944 was in Technicolor. And Technicolor drives me crazy because if you watch a scene too closely, the colors fucking shift constantly. They're always shifting. I actually had a note about the, that. Mm. Um, not about the shifting. Uh, like, 
I noted that this was photographed in Technicolor. Yes. And I always feel like, not I feel like it's very apparent, but I, I don't know if I like it or I, I, I have a, the, <laughs> watching something in Technicolor, everything is so vibrant. It's so, and it's blown and it's, out. The colors when they're in the direct sun, they're well, so yeah. blown out. It's like lighting wasn't really lighting wasn't really a thing back then. Well, but they kind of just overlit at everything. night when it's just the the gas lamps and the lights. It's very beautiful. I wish there was more soft filtering. Like when they do that, I call it the romantic filter in these movies. Mm. When there's that loving scene where it's a little hazy, I like that. I wish they would do it more in these films. That um comes from lens choices. Okay. So this being a musical, I definitely think they would have used lenses that didn't have any softening or like uh, depth of field because with a musical you have a lot of people moving There's around, a lot of movement, yeah. so they want everything in focus, which is why in a lot of those wider shots you see like them in the foreground completely in focus and the background yeah. completely in focus, which it takes you out of it a tiny bit, but you also have to remember. This movie is about 60-something years old now. Yeah. Close to 60-something years old. It looks good. It does look good. Really good. When she's singing the first number about the neighbor, and she's singing in the window, I can, I'm can i watching the colors shift pink and yellow, pink and yellow, pink and yellow, constantly. But she's also wearing a striped yeah. tennis outfit, which is kind of... Confu- I feel like it's confusing the lens with, like, shifting the color. It... It, that that scene and the scene where they're all wearing the white, those are the only ones where that drive me mad because I can see the colors well, blending. I don't know a shitload about the Technicolor process, but mm. I think back then it was a post-process. Yeah, this was shot. I believe this was all shot in black and white, and then they added the color back yeah. in afterwards. Which... Black and white, I would have been fine with, but it does make the reds pop so much more when it's in um, Technicolor. Greens, reds pop really well. Purples pop well. Yellows get muted. Oranges get very muted. And blue doesn't seem as good. Blue kind of seems too close to black, in my opinion. Like, I can't... Maybe my eyes are different, but I only see the very vivid, harsh colors very well. The other ones just seem kind of... And I, I don't have a color. I don't, I'm not colorblind. I don't ha- I'm, have a problem with it. It's just the Technicolor drives me crazy. Purples also tend to, like, kind of pop. Yeah, they pop a lot, but then, like, that's the only thing I can see. So, we open on introducing Rose, Esther, Tootie, the girls. The older girl, older than Tootie, I don't remember her name. Uh, I don't, yeah, I have no idea what they, the fuck I, her name I was. barely remember them mentioning her name. They're all, uh, one's coming in because it's the middle of August in 1904. She's coming in from swimming. They're all warm. They're all wa- wearing full-sleeved outfits, full-length gowns, saying it's hot. And I'm giggling. Because obviously in 1904, you don't, you don't show skin. That's not, that's not what you do. Right. But it's like, damn, guys. And that little girl coming in from that scene, you could totally see through her entire outfit. Yeah, that... It was a little weird. That was a little... 
But 1944, there wasn't, like, censorship and all of this stuff. Like, that was just seen as a young girl coming in. You also have to consider the fact that the projection of that would have been softer. The detail wouldn't have been there. This was in high definition. High definition, which every detail you could see. Yeah. When the girl's hair was out of... At one point, Rose's hair was out of place in one spot. You could see it. Right. You could see the pin hanging from her hair where it was out of... If it was in, like, a big projection, it was a little... Not in high def, you wouldn't be able to see that. You would just think that was a ringlet. Yeah. I was like, damn, technology has come a long way. I have to admit something before we get too deep into mm-hmm. this. Prior to this viewing, I had never seen Judy Garland in anything except for Wizard of Oz. Honestly, yes. Judy Garland is a huge name back in the golden age of cinema. Huge. Musicals. Old-fashioned. Like, these movies. The big one everybody knows her from is The Wizard of Oz when she was younger. And that was back in... Oh, God. When was Wizard of Oz? Oh, jeez, I couldn't even tell you. I probably could. I got the the wiki up. While you're trying to find that, uh, because we already kind of passed over the first one, Mm. this movie uh, brings you in and does... Throughout the movie, you get these season transitions, and they're all marked by what looks like a photograph of of a house or the house Mm -hmm. from, like, an album. Yes. Um, And they do these... Per, like they zoom in on this sh- uh, shot where it's well this photo mm. and it'll say like summer winter whatever yeah they'll zoom in on this photo and it does a perfect transition from photograph to video or mm-hmm. film it's so seamless it is I've never seen an old movie do it that fucking well I mean I guess wow there's a reason why the budget was over a million dollars yeah and. Let me tell you, the costuming in this movie Goddamn. gorgeous. Like, down to the costuming, the set work. Like, it was beautiful. This is the type of house that I would have killed to grow up in. Big, beautiful, sprawling porch. Like, tons of rooms. Tons of, like, a big kitchen. Yeah, this this uh, location, this setting, it was probably a set. It was gorgeous. It, it like, is gorgeous. The s- setup of that uh, house was just... Like, that stairwell mm. alone was beautiful. I did see a little blip. I wasn't sure of it. I'm not 100% sure, but it did say that this house existed. on it, That real address that she mentions, like 1425 or something yeah. like that. That was a real house. It no longer exists. It was demolished and everything. But it was a real house for a very long time. Unfortunately, after the movie, after people moved out of it, it fell decrepit and they had to tear it down. So Uh, that house was real at one point, which is beautiful. Happens a lot. It does. So I got really excited because I immediately knew who the grandfather was. His voice immediately picked up. He looks very familiar. He plays Dr. Mead in Gone with the Wind. He is the doctor that... Um, is is in the film. He's very predominant in that movie. Um, I don't know him from anything else, but the minute I heard his voice, I was like, oh, Dr. Mead. I got so excited. <laughs> he is such a great actor. 
he conveyed like we're gonna touch on gone with the wind we're gonna watch that movie sean that movie is four hours long uh, it's not a musical though no so i have to say i think there could have been more music in this for a musical there wasn't nearly as much as i thought it would be there was plenty <laughs> well you had the song about the neighbor you had the girl singing Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, I believe the dad sang a number. Um, you had the trolley song. You had them singing all the numbers when the kids were having the party. Um, I believe another one after that, but there really wasn't that many songs in my opinion. I thought there would be a song with either Rose and Herbo or Esther and John. I really did. I thought one of the couples would have a song, but they didn't. Like The songs kind of like tapered off more towards the end and i wonder if like i i don't know if they ever made this one into a theatrical play i wonder if there's more for the theatrical play believe there was a version at mm. one point or another but I i'm not big into it. like i like some broadway musicals but i don't go out and seek them so i wouldn't wouldn't know um the women in this time frame were beautiful holy shit Judy Garland still to this day, except for those bangs. Those are the most distracting bangs in the world. <laughs> they were gorgeous. Like, holy hell. Oh, uh, let's see. Um, this film was, it, it's something I, I notice a lot about a lot of older movies, but mm. this one in particular, uh, it carries that performance style of stage acting. Yes. Um, and part of that could probably come from the fact that it's a musical. This one, actually, at first I noticed it pretty prominently, but then it seemed like at a lot of moments they toned it down. Yeah. A little. It was a little more intimate for the screen. It, was, it wasn't as, like, big and boisterous as, like... Uh, Dracula, when we watched that, like, it felt a little bit more reserved. Yeah, which is kind of saying something because you have a film with Julie Garland. Her performances, her like personality is very big. Even when she's singing, she, you're watching her on screen, and she's mouthing the song, and she's very like meek and not as theatrical. But the voice that's coming out of her, you would think it was more grand. It, it was grander. Mm. So it's definitely they definitely tone it down a little bit for the screen because you don't need to bring like in theater they say act like you're playing for the back of the house and it's a huge thing that you say paint for the back of the house dress back for the back of the house act for the back of the house you don't have to do that with film when the back of the house is sitting like maybe two or three feet from their television right so like you don't have to overact but i feel like at times like tootie we're gonna get into her um, fucking little girl, man. Oof, Jesus. I liked her. Um, she was acting for the back of the house sometimes. Like, she was so over-theatrical and dramatic. Which, fun fact, I did not see what year it was, but she won a junior Oscar, a juvenile Oscar, for her performance in this movie, I believe. Really? Yeah. Well, now I'm gonna have to find this, because I was like, oh my god, really? Um, I also want to mention that this film makes 
this film is really beautifully shot. It is. And I don't just mean, like, most older films are gorgeously shot, like, but this one in particular used, utilizes some really elegant camera moves. It does. Like, even right from the beginning, like, uh, I think it's one of uh, Judy Garland's first musical numbers, and she's, like, walking toward the camera and the camera's drifting back with her and it's like keeping perfect pace Mm. and they do this a lot throughout the movie where it'll just follow and glide along with characters especially when they're doing the ballroom dancing scene or just the scene where the kids are having the party it follows them so like it's like it's gliding and it's like this is the 1940s like that had to be steady steady like how were they keeping that still for some of these this stuff just wasn't done back then really mm. like so I'm, i was surprised to see as much of it as i did in this movie mm. like yeah a good amount of it just stuck with like basic pans and like yeah static shots or zoom outs but they did a really good job visually so margaret o'brien who played tootie was won at the Juvenile Academy Award for Outstanding Child Actress in 1944 for her performance in this film. Which... Well deserved. Yeah. At the age of 84, she is the the one last surviving star of the golden age of Hollywood cinema. She started acting at age four in... 1941. So in this movie, she was only six. She killed it for a six-year-old. Yeah. I'm sorry. Half of her lines were the best lines in this fucking film. Oh, my God. What was with the kids in this movie? We'll get get to the Halloween scene. I, I... Oh, my God. We're introduced to Tootie. As she's on somebody's ice truck who delivers ice for the ice boxes for the refrigerators. And she is talking about her doll needing sun because she's come down with this contagious disease. And the guy who's driving with her says, oh, she's come down with four fatal diseases, Tootie says. And the guy goes, and only one took her. And I'm like, this is dark. (laughs) This is dark. Um, I loved her from the ba- right off the bat. She she has a way of delivering lines for a six year old, and some of the things that comes out of her mouth are very dark, very like. I'm sorry. Is this the inspiration for Wednesday Adams? <laughs> That's a good point. Like, like it she, very well could have been. She looks like Wednesday from like the <clears throat> 1960s show. And she has that feel of delivery for some of the lines. I'm like, oh my god, she's creepy crawly. <laughs> I love her. Uh, let's see. Uh, We're introduced to the dad. Dad's a dick. That uh, that's something that I I noted in here was like the these movies tend to not hit so well today. A no. lot of, a lot of stuff from this because era. they are stereotypical characters of these times. The dad was worked hard, was the disciplinarian. One of the lines he says to Tuli is, remind me to spank you after dinner. Oh, my God. I was like, what? 
Why? What are we spanking? Who Listen, are we spanking? Why? The thing, that whole dynamic of everyone just like bending their lives to the father's to, to, will. To Papa. We must. We cannot upset Papa. We cannot. What? Dinner has to be at promptly this time. If we do that. Oh, he's going to be upset. Like the whole house becomes on edge when dad comes home and he had a bad day. I'm like, oh it's my God. fucked up. It is. But that's just how it was. Oh. Also, the maid Katie is being paid $12 a month in 1903 to be their maid. Yeah, what the hell? 12 bucks a month. Eck fucking excuse me. <laughs> I, was, I thought he was going to be saying, I thought some, one of them was going to say 12 bucks a week. Which, all right, I'd be understanding. That'd be understanding for Because that it was different. $12 a month? That's nuts. Like, is it you... because we live in 2021 where like 12 bucks a month is like, oh, you homeless. You not even a person. 12 bucks an hour is considered highway robbery poverty. nowadays. Yeah, like <laughs> what? Um, my note is Tootie is an imaginative child. Imaginative isn't quotes. <laughs> um They sing Meet Me in St. Louis so many times at the beginning of this movie. Yes. That even the fucking father complains about hearing like, it oh so God, much. Oh my God, stop. Well, because the Louisiana Purchase. I understand. The Louisiana Purchase <laughs> Exposition or the World's Fair is coming and everybody's really excited about it. Which makes sense because there's a ship. There's a fuck ton of teenagers in this town. And that's who's excited about this. I also started to question whether we've been saying the name of the movie wrong. Meet me in St. Louis. Because they yeah, kept like, saying that. I was like, oh, is it called Meet Me in St. Louis? And then later in the movie, they say Meet Me in St. Louis a yes. lot. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, people <laughs> use, we're not from the Midwest. Yeah. We can't vouch for this. So anybody in the comments want to tell us, is it St. Louis or St. Louis? I've only known two people that lived in St. Louis for a brief amount of time. And it's said either way, but we're from the Northeast. We don't 100% know. We know how to pronounce all the weird Boston and Rhode Island names around here, like Woonsocket, Narragansett, Pawtucket. You know, probably yeah. butchering it. <laughs> probably a lot different than that, but you know. Um, let's see. This movie also hits comedy beats pretty well. Yeah. Um, the two I noted here, they're in the same scene, but like the the screaming phone call during dinner. Oh my god. And Right after that phone call, she hangs up the phone, everybody's in silence, and then the dad just bites the celery. <laughs> and then they all start talking like, oh my god, did you do this? Yeah, I did this. What do you do? And it's like, what just happened? What in the world just happened? It's gonna be hard to stomach. I'm muscling through. Oh god. The telephone, though. I want one of those telephones. Those old, like, hello? We had to speak oh, into my... one port and hold and the hold thing. It to your... Oh my god. <laughs> And you know that mo- that family had money in yeah. 1903 if they had that telephone. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was... So, obviously, Judy Garland's character, Esther, is smitten with the boy next door. And he's only lived there for three weeks? Yeah, it was a very short period Very short of amount of time. And she sings a song where she says she is in absolute love with this man. This girl is 16 to 17 years old. Yeah. Ariel. Sit down, shut up. That's the only other reference I have for it. Um, Rose was talking about where Esther was like, I'm going to kiss him. And Rose said, men don't want the bloom rubbed off. 
What does that mean? What? What? I'm sorry. I'm modern day. The last episode, I said the word pussy out several times. What does this line mean? Ah. Like, they don't want their girls fast and loose? I guess. Is kissing fast and loose? Because, oh, honey, how many people have we kissed? Like, Uh. but then again, this movie is set a hundred years ago. That's true. A hundred years ago. And it was filmed almost 90 years ago. Uh. What? No, I'm sorry. 80 years ago. I thought it was 37. It's, oh, what? This movie set almost 100 years ago. 98 years ago. 97. I will say 97 years ago. You know those moments you have where you're like, damn. I'm fucking old. I'm old. This is the exact this is opposite. This is the one. Not the fact that my entire head is white now. Like, uh, wow. 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 There's also a moment where they're, uh, I forget what scene it is, but they're the two girls are getting ready, Esther and her sister. and For the ball or the, in the beginning? Uh, towards the beginning. Yeah. But the the sister claims to have raven black hair. No. So <laughs> they they both have red hair. And they said, wouldn't we, it have been better if we were born with, she said brown hair. And she's like, imagine you and your jet black hair and me in my auburn hair. Like, wouldn't we look better with different colored hair? They don't like their red hair. But I think their red hair makes them very, very unique for that time period. Yes, I missed something there. That's how I took it. I took it as they want to have hair that's not red. But I don't know. Now I'm rethinking the line that was said. I don't know. If anybody else has seen this movie, like, please comment if we're one of us is right or wrong or if we're both dumb. But, like, yeah, there were a lot of things where I went... I'm sorry. Can you repeat that line for me, please? I thought maybe it was like a mistake. But... No, I took it as she wanted jet black hair. Oh. But I don't think she would have looked pretty with jet black hair. She looked beautiful with the red hair. I love it. Oh, uh, let's see. Tootie's a har- uh, hudlum, and Esther is a harlot. And <laughs> why are girls so horny in this movie? Dude, literally the entire purpose every scene they're just trying to get men they are and like they're one of them's to... like 16 17 years old calm your hormones chicky poo they're just trying they're like we need to get married like right now oh my god i just oh. they're even talking about it's like they're going after specific guys but then like they're like oh well if he's not interested i'm just gonna go get, marry this other dude what <laughs> Because marriage was a bigger deal back. Obviously, you married yeah. your daughters off to, well, families. They were taken care of. Because women didn't really work back then. Yeah. So, like, the the wife took care of the home and the children. But they had a maid? For $12 a month. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have just shit on the stairs and smeared it with my fingers. Just, Here's your 12 bucks a month, kids. Um, there's a scene where Grandpa says something about her looking exactly like Grandma. So, alright, towards the end of this movie, stuff like that starts to come up. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you have to go to the dance with your brother. And then the grandfather offers to take... Oh, I'll take you to the take dance. Take you to the dance. And, like, if... I almost noted, I didn't put it down, but I almost noted, I was like, all of a sudden it gets really incestuous. 
I mean, maybe it's because we're from a different time. I think it is. That's why I didn't notice. But it was like, why would you take your sister to the dance? That's like... Why not just go stag? Yeah, just go. But it was frowned upon for a lady not to have a chaperone. Yeah. So, I mean, even her brother or her grandfather being the chaperone makes sense. That was still that kind of era. Right. Um, romance is very different in these movies. Like... Very, very different. Like, how long were we dating before we became an actual thing? I think it was almost a year. Um. Before we got really serious. Maybe like, well, we also eased into it. So it was yeah. maybe like s- three to six months at least. Yeah. And then. Really serious was like a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, well. I mean, well, well, I mean, you know. I But like, <clears throat> these were like. I want to get married. How long have you known each other and how old are you? Yeah. I'm in my thirties and I'm still like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Marriage is like, hang on. Wait, I no back to bus up. How many people would look at this day and age with how people live and be like, that's scandalous. How dare you live with a man without, you know, being married or have your parents blessing. (laughs) Like nowadays we'd be like, fuck you. I do what I want. I, uh, a lot of my notes here are, like, technical ones, like, things about the filmmaking itself. Um, one of the things I thought was really well done was the, uh, execution of the lighting changes during the scene where they're putting out the lights in the house. Yes, yep. Like, each, uh, time they were putting... Each room, they would they would the, do this drastic. It would just get change. dimmer and dimmer, but it was very drastic, which emphasized how important gas lights were, in yeah. my opinion. But like, it was really that scene was very cool. Where she's like, "Can you stay and help me turn the lights out?" And I'm like, "All right, lights out." <laughs> but then I keep thinking to myself, "It's not a clapper. Sometimes it works." Oh no. She's breaking her set. Oh, no. Sulu fell. <coughs> um, but then I think to myself, oh, yeah, they had to turn off every single gas lamp at night and light them all again in the morning. And they all had, like, gas that had to be replaced or lines that had to be fed individually to the house. Yeah. It's like, ooh, that's terrifying. <laughs> I don't like that. I mean, luckily, there was far less things that could blow your fucking house up there. Yeah. Uh, so we come up, up to Halloween. Yeah, so as I said, the, the movie shifts through seasons. I think yeah. we begin in... We begin in summer. Summer. Shifts and then we go through... Fall, spring, uh, fall, winter, and spring. Winter and spring. And then they have this party in between. Actually, <clears throat> back up a little bit. They have a party. All the kids, like all of the like, they're like between 17 and 20. They're having this grand party. Where are the parents? Who the fuck cares? Parents aren't even there for this scene. And they're all just dancing and singing in the living room, in the parlor, in the kitchen, in the hallway. They're just having a grand time. Singing songs, dancing. One of the songs was Skip to My Lou. Yeah. I saw your face when that started and you were like. Help me. Oh my God. Like I just looked and went, how's it going champ? And he's like, oh, this, this one, this was, this was tough. So they're having a little party. The party ends in Tootie and um, Esther singing together and dancing and having fun. And it was a nice time. And that's when John and her go around and 
undo all the lamp, um, turn off all the lamps. Yeah. So then it jumps to autumn, and we jump to Halloween. So I guess pranks were a big deal. Kids didn't go around trick or treating. They would play pranks on the adults. And one of the things that the girls do is they're given a sack of flour with the mother's consent and the grandfather's. And the line is, just make sure, make sure just a small handful handful of flour right in their face. The mother or the grandfather, I think it was the grandfather, an authority says to do this on Halloween night. I'm going to ask you again. Why in the hell are these uh, all the children in this film violent little fucks? So, I feel like Halloween is a night of tomfoolery. I feel like they had old furniture. They're literally making a bonfire in the middle yeah, of the road. They're, they're dressed in women's clothing. Dressed in women's clothing. They're threatening murder. They're talking they're, about death. They're covered in like <laughs> burning uh, pyres in the streets. They're, they have a pyre, and they're like, you have to go up to somebody and pelt them with flour, and you kill them. And Tootie, who is like six years old, goes up to the worst house and throws flour at him with this big bulldog there, and like she wins Halloween or something, and I'm like. And then... What kind of game is this? Like, what? And then Rose comes back from somewhere with ice cream. She went to get ice cream for the family because they had a cake for Halloween. Now, I understand trick-or-treating wasn't really a thing back then. Trick-or-treating didn't come along till later. So it was just a night. It was mischief night. It was mischief night. So you let the kids have some (laughs) mischief. It's fine. But then we have the scene right after Rose gets back where Tootie starts crying and she got hit or she was playing around near the trolley and John hit her or attacked her and dragged her away and her lip got cut and all of this stuff, which resulted in Esther getting so pissed, she went over to John's house and beat him up. Or tried to. 1903 beat him up, but she still got, she walked right up to him and punched him in the fucking face and then punched him in the arm and kept slapping him. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, next time you pick on a five-year-old. And I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) She just kicked his ass because a five-year-old told her. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Oh my god. <sighs> um and then you find out Tootie lies. They actually used a mannequin or a stuffed 
mannequin it's to like a lay fake on the body, a fake body to lie on the trolley tracks to derail the trolley while it was full of people as a prank. And even Rose goes, a dozen dozens of people could have been killed tonight. I'm like, what? You know, now that you say it, I think there's a Children of the Corn movie in here somewhere. There is a horror movie sitting here. Can you imagine if they reimagined Meet Me in St. Louis, but it was just a fucking terrifying, demonic children's horror movie? Let's just cut all the scenes with the love stuff, the terrible children together and just make like Children of the Corn point five. Especially when (laughs) she's like, I want to take all my dollies, even the ones that are buried in the cemetery. I'm sorry, Tootie, are you all right? And the father and mother are like, okay, dear, it's fine. It's fine. Children have imaginations. <laughs> is this why we have so many serial killers? This fucking little girl was morbid as all hell. So, after... People think I have problems. After Tootie said, like, says that she lied, like, blatantly, she goes, oh, yeah, no, I fibbed. Like, Esther wanted to fucking kill her. Like, she pulled her dress up and was about ready to hammer on her, that girl's ass. Like, I'm going to spank you till you fucking bleed. But then it was like, oh, it's little girls. They're just being little girls. It was a prank. Ha 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 ha. What happened from I'm going to kill you to we're laughing and joking? What happened in that know. span of time? I don't I don't understand. There's a lot of mood shifts in that. Because then like, she immediately like, boo, 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 boo. is like, oh, shit. We got, I hit John. I have oh to go Oh, my God. I have sorry. to go apologize right now. <laughs> so she goes there. John's waiting outside. And obviously <clears> he's like, girl, freaking got me. She hit me. Yeah. And... It was like he instantly got a hard on for her after she beat him up. So now he likes domineering women. He grabs her <laughs> and kisses her, but it's not like a typical like Casablanca kiss. It's I'm grabbing you by the sh- fucking arms and kissing you, like violently. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. What is with men in the like? <sighs> that was actually a trope in a lot of older movies. Like they would do that like grab and kiss thing and I, I never really got it's it very but. violent it's not sexy it's like all right don't grab me like that back up um they kiss she goes back to the house now they're having cake and ice cream for halloween and the dad shows up i hate this man and he just decides right there and then we're moving to new york i don't give a fuck what any of about you any of you say when both teenage girls have love interests. Like, their lives are here. The mom's life is here. The grandfather's life is here. And the dad's like, fuck you. I'm, I bring the money and we're moving. Like, don't you, aren't you supposed to sit down with your family and discuss these changes? Not then. It really puts it into perspective what men thought of women. They were property back then, pretty much. It's not okay. It's not. By any means. I don't no. condone it, but... Like, even if this movie wasn't necessarily, like, women are property, like, I'm sorry, you sit down and you discuss, like, St. Louis, Missouri is not near New York City at all. That is a huge shift change from somewhere in 1903 that was, like, a nice big house, big yard, nice space, to New York City, which in 1903, 1904, was just starting to develop. And become what New York is now. Did you notice during the uh, the scene where uh, Esther goes and starts hitting John? Um, 
he couldn't keep himself from laughing. Yes. He was like, just like, oh like my, smiling, watching the whole fucking time. Judy Garland like wail on him, and it's like, oh look, Dorothy, she's hitting me, <laughs> like. Oh god. And it's funny because she's got a lot of fire. Yeah. Judy Garland's got a lot of fucking spunk, man. That woman, no matter what age, she did not hold the fuck back. That's why she was a legend. Um. Essentially, from getting this news, I believe the next real sequence is the trolley. Yeah. Um, which my only note for that scene, like obviously that's a big iconic scene. It's one of the of most song. iconic scenes, yeah. But uh, my only real note on that scene was that it's a prime example of why rear projection is so much better than green screen. Because that was very obviously shot with like a movie, a rear projected screen behind yep. it, and it looks so much better. It There's does. No seams that are obvious. I mean, when it's perfect. When they were, when the little girl Tootie was in the wagon with the ice guy, you could see it was rear projected because they were going this way. Yeah. That's harder, I think. When the trolley's doing this, so much easier. So so much easier. Green screen just seems harsher, in my opinion. And well, green screen just wasn't available at that time. Mm. It wasn't a thing. They hadn't discovered that, like, rear projection was one of the only th- ways you could do it mm. on a soundstage like that. And I don't, I thought it looked really good. It mm. was very clean for being an older film like that. Yeah, it did. I mean, that is one of the more iconic scenes. Also, I was very bored during that scene. Oh yeah, it is. A very iconic song. I understand, like, they're talking about the trolley. This is kind of a new thing to travel places. I was bored. It doesn't... In- it, it. This song didn't engage me. No. It didn't. And I hate to say it, but I'm not the biggest fan of that one. So, after the trolley scene, I think I was looking stuff up. Because I don't remember anything until the corset scene. Yeah, there wasn't much... Uh, there wasn't really much going on in no. between. Um, it seemed like it was all filler information. There was really no plot right there. Yeah. I mean, th- my next note after that is literally just... Though we both know this moment. It's after uh, John comes by after she's trying on the corset and he gives her the bad news that, oh, uh, I couldn't get to the the tailor to pick up my suit so i don't have a suit so i can't escort you to the dance and then she says and we're not going to say it because i believe this is going to be the line that is going to be our favorite it's not on my list of favorites it's not no i like i thought it was funny but it's not on my list of favorites made me fucking die i lost it just this is what i think judy garland is the drama the acting that line fucking lost is it on yours yes it's on mine it is on mine um that scene with the corsets man that is a no joke corsets seem i'm i mean i'm a bigger girl i don't fit in a corset like you can't fit me in a corset i also haven't tried since i was like 400 something pounds and i'm a lot smaller than that now so i could probably get away with trying one but man corsets no joke they just fucking squish Everything here goes, nope, and oh, no. 
I bet you that was not acting, her doing that. No, probably not. So that's the, now after John leaves and she's sad and everything, Grandpa offers to take her to the dance. Yes. So um, she has an escort. So they go off to the dance. Yep. Um, it's Things start to work out. Um, the sist- Not yet. Not yet. She had to fill the dance card. Well, that's what I'm saying. Dance card? Yeah, dance cards were a thing then. I thought that was just a metaphor. No, that was a literal. To where you had to schedule dances with gentlemen. Yeah. I don't I would have scheduled dances with the ladies and caused a fluster. I don't know why. You're like, hey, you, Esther, come here. We're going to do the foxtrot. Like... (laughs) That I, it's the time period. It's the fact that I was born in the 80s. 1980, not 1880. I think dance cards are weird. It is weird. Like, that's so strange. Now. <laughs> like, what? Um, Things start to work out, though. It turns out the guy her sister was fawning over. Warren. Warren. Mm. He uh, came with... A guest, but not a love interest. No, it was a guest that literally was like, sorry, I'm going to talk Frank, but if he doesn't shut up about you, I'm going to say something. Go with the girl. I'm going to go with this one. I think he's cute. Basically, it was the no bullshit guy best friend that was like, fucking take a chance, asshole, stop this. Like, you can translate this kind of story in any time period. Yes. This was literally like, if you don't stop, like, pining over this girl... I'm going to do something. Oh, you're taking me to the dance? I'm going to fuck your shit up. Guess what? He likes you. Go put it in her. Like, that's honestly. And then, you know, Esther doesn't have a date because, you know, she filled the calling card up for this other girl to make, you know, her avoid her sister Rose's bow. But now she has to take that calling card or dance card and, you know, has to dance with all of the weirdos, apparently. Like, doesn't dance right, having not having fun. So Grandpa swoops in and says, I want to dance with her. And then this sly fucking motherfucker. This is the one where I went, yes, Grandpa, yes! My only note for this was, Grandpa, you smooth motherfucker. Right? <laughs> Grandpa's like, let's come dance by the Christmas tree. And then all of a sudden, she comes out with John. And Grandpa's just standing there like, yeah, I just did that. I got you. <laughs> Go get laid. Like, I honestly can see Grandpa go, make me grab baby. Take grab babies. <laughs> like, damn. And then afterwards, they dance. They have a good time. John and Esther get engaged. Esther is 16, 17 years old. And John says, well, we're, we're old enough. We're mature. Well, almost. Which tells me John is about the same age, between yeah. 16 to 18 years old. Which, all right, they're playing younger. People still do that today. Yes. But. They've known each other for about, I want to say, August to December, four months. That's not what got me here. What got you? What got me was this scene. So he asks her to marry him. First time? <laughs> <laughs> She's spilling on herself. Oh, the pepper just went down my face and it's weird. <laughs> um, so she a- he asks her to marry him. She says yes. Yep. But then she basically turns him down to go live with her family in New York. Which, you know what? 
I get it, but at the same time, you just spent the entire movie trying to get this fucker to ask you to marry him, and then you turn him down. <laughs> I don't think she turned him down. When he well, said, let's go tell your family, she said, we'll tell them in the morning. Let us just be us being engaged tonight. Let it just be the two of us. They are together in the final scenes with the family. So I'm thinking... Well, that's also months later. Yes, but I'm thinking they're still engaged. She just wanted to have Christmas night with her family. That's a bit bit of big news that comes up. Yeah. And then she doesn't have a chance to tell her family because we can't get there yet. But she comes in the house and... Tootie is still awake. And Tootie is having some big feelings about the move. So then Esther starts singing one of one of the most famous songs in the movie, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yes. I'm going to tell you right now, this song actually made me emotional. Well, because it's speaking, it's her also speaking to herself. Yes. She's trying to convince herself that this move is a good thing for their family. Yeah. That everything that's happening is right. She is now an engaged woman. And her mind, she's thinking, now I have a big thing where do I get married and stay here with John? Do I get married and take him with me? Or do I not get married and just go with my family? She has a big decision. So she's trying to convince herself, stay right here. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about the past. Just stay in this moment. And Tootie is thinking, I don't want to leave. This is my home. So it's kind of very emotional in, in the point of the, you've t- these two young women having very, very big feelings about something that they have no control over. And I'm going to talk about it later when you ask me those questions. Yeah. But it's... Eh, it makes me a little emotional. So after the song happens and everything, they do they go downstairs and the family's together. And the father. Wait. Oh, I missed about. Yeah. So after she sings to Tootie. Oh, yeah. Tootie runs away. And Tootie has a fucking meltdown. And she has a literal fucking meltdown and murders a bunch of snowmen. She has a bat and starts beating the heads off of all the snowmen, which represent her family in the backyard. They represent her family. And as she uh, she's swinging at the snowman and uh, um, Esther is trying to stop her and calm her down. She's saying saying something along the lines of, "No, if we can't take them with us, then they're then I'm going to kill them, so no one else can have them." It is fucking terrifying. Terrifying because you're sitting there going, "What if this little girl snapped in the middle of the night and killed her family?" So no one can, has to leave St. Louis. She's there stuck with her forever. I think this is a secret horror film. Like, really? I think this is a horror movie in disguise. Dude, I'm making a, like, come meet me in St. Louis horror film about children and, <laughs> like, psychopathic, psychotic tendencies now. Like, what? Tootie's a fucking, like, ooh. So the dad sees Tootie freak out. Sees that both girls, like... Esther's trying to calm her down, but she's crying in the meantime. Like, no, it'll be fine. We'll all be together, I swear. And they're both having a meltdown in the back. In the backyard. So he goes down the stairs, 
and he's seeing all the things off the wall. All their memories are bagged up, basically, literally to move, like, in three or four days. But the only thing that's up... It gets worse as it gets cold, too. Oh, you can God. feel the I'm so close. You're so close. I still have a half a cup, man. <gasps> um, you see him, like, the only thing that's set up is Christmas. But once Christmas is over, it's gone. That's it. And he has a Scrooge moment and has a change of heart. Calls everybody downstairs. Everybody get down here. Everybody, down. We're not going to New York. It's my... And it's like the girls, like like subconsciously changed his mind like we have lives here fuck you and the dad was like i had a change of heart i'm the man i'm saying we're staying here and the mom's like okay uh, all right but you were so excited about new york like which makes the girls happy because in the middle of all of this rose's beau warren barges in and goes we can't keep doing this anymore i love you you're marrying me and i'm like that's exactly how he did it. He screamed. It's the most at violent girl. proposal I've ever it seen. It was. <laughs> and it was funny. The dad was like, "Someday I'd like to intro- be introduced to this young man who just, you know, asked for your hand in marriage." <laughs> I was like, "Dad, coming with the jokes." Okay, thought you were a dick for a while. Still kind of is. Um, Jesus. And then once they're like, "Oh, it's Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!" I cried a little again. It was very wholesome. It was a nice roundabout happy moment. It really was. It was very nice. Yeah. Fuck this movie. I don't want Christmas mo- movie emotions. Well, so essentially, after this, uh, jumps ahead to spring. Spring, yes. Um, and we we got our big like closing. Um, yeah. They they're at the I guess the World's Fair. Louisiana Purchase Exposition. All right. Or known as the World Fair, and I have a fact. So they're going around. They're eating cotton candy. They're they're going around they're eating cotton candy they're having a good time and the lights go on for one of the main exhibits for the first night and it looks beautiful and grand and Tootie says are they going to take it down and the mother says or the grandfather I'm not sure and says no they'll never take it down it looks too beautiful to take down in April of 1904 St. Louis opened its doors to the world for what is officially called the Louisiana Purchase Exposition, but widely known as um, the Saint uh, or as, as the World Fair. After the fair closed, nearly all of the structures were demolished within a short time, leaving only a few footprints, ponds, and canals in Forest Park in St. Louis. They ripped all of that down. They demolished all of it after the World's Fair. So it's a fucking slap in the face. Oof. So during this movie. They were like, I hope they never tear it down. But they did tear it down. Like, <laughs> I, what? You saw the end of that. That structure was beautiful. See, I didn't know that. So that kind of makes me look at the ending, ending of this movie a little bit differently. Yes. So during that ending scene kind of brought the whole theme together. Yes. In my opinion. So, like, the movie was essentially supposed to be about finding happiness right under your nose it's all about like uh like you can be happy in right where you are not where you think you have to be Mm. so like um and that can be said about everybody like the dad and his job offer and like the girls like constantly trying to search for a husband like 
but they had happiness already. They yes. just didn't realize it. They just didn't know it at that time. And that's basically what that her like her last uh, Judy Garland's last line in the movie is something like, uh, "Can you believe it? This is right here where we live." Yeah. Like. We don't have to travel anywhere. It's in our own city. Like you discovered your happiness here. But you like it's a nice message saying like the dad thought that they would have a better life in New York City and you know the girls were trying to get like fine bows and get married and all that and the little yeah. girls were trying to grow up too quick but it's like everything you need is here. Your heart is here where you live. But it's funny that you say now that that was torn down cuz like th- the grandfather's thing there was sort of adding to the theme yeah to where he's like no they won't tear it down like and they did they did so it's like it, it almost contradicts the theme in a dark way it looks like one of the pavilions still exists but i don't know if this is the original one so this is forest yeah, park in they, st Lu- st louis they might have rebuilt it it says world fair pavilion forest <clears throat> park but i'm not 100 percent sure if it is that the original structure um, I'm trying to like, <clears throat> leaving only a few. Yeah. So it looks like one of the original, the original buildings, like that was the building we saw at the end of the movie. Yeah. That doesn't exist. That is the palace of liberal arts from the world's fair. I think that's oh. what they were lighting up. And that isn't there. Gone. Like, that would have been so cool if they kept that. Like, look at that. That's what lit up at the end of the movie. That was that was spectacular. Not no more. No. You know what? <laughs> hey, we still have one of the bigger fairs around here um, in the Big E. Well, yeah. The Big E fairground still exists with all the pavilions for each of the New England states are up there. And they do that in September. I've been to the Big E many times. I love the Big E. Fun fact, I've never been. <sighs> Fun fact, we're going next year. <laughs> because we don't have a wedding in September next oh, year. So we Christ. can lose our time. I surprisingly like this movie that more than I thought I would. Like, no, I don't love it by any means. No. But I found merit in it. Much like Bram Stoker's. I can respect this movie. I can respect the fact that it's a classic. I can, I can res- see why it's a classic. Yes. But I'm not as big of I'm not a fan of this one. It is long. The plot can be shortened down to like an hour. Mm. There are some very unnecessary scenes. Like the whole thing with the kids at Halloween. I, we could have cut that. We could have cut that whole thing out. Like, the plot for the girls go out on Halloween, one of them gets hurt, we find out it was... We don't even see that mischief. We hear about that. They do all this other mischievous stuff. But the mischief that actually leads to the lie for her to get the kiss from John, Yeah. it's not even in it. So no, what's the point of showing that whole scene? They could have just talked about, about it and They really could. They could talk about what the kids did and all of that. I think some of the drawn out scenes of like the singing and dancing I mean maybe it's a different time older generations love this movie like I I think my grandfather is the only one who may have seen this like in the 50s or many when he was a young kid Yeah. but I'd have to ask him what his opinion on me in St. Louis is 
There is one thing that I would like to talk about that okay. I haven't yet, but it's something I noticed and I really was intrigued by. Okay. So this film does a lot with framing, hmm. specifically with Esther. With Judy, yeah. So you're constantly there. It's not always, but. It's constantly placing Esther in doorways and seeing her through windows and mirrors. And it just, to me, that like it, that portrayed her as like the portrait of what the guy she's going after should see her as. Okay. Like, if you look at every scene that she is in, like, most prominently, that big first musical number where she's singing in the window, looking at her through the window, and then she moves over to the mirror, and then back to the window. But she's like always framed within something. When she's on the trolley, she has the trolley bars around her. Like she's always framed. When they do the turning out the lights scene, yeah. He goes outside and she comes up to the screen door and she's framed in the screen door as she asks him to come help her. It's, And that's how he's seeing her as this portrait of beauty. And the, the song that they sing together or she sings is like a song that points out how beautiful she is in the light and how gorgeous and perfect she is. And it's... It's interesting. It's not strange. It's no, not. it's just an it's, it's, interesting visual yes. choice. Was that a visual choice of the director, or is that something in Judy's contract that she always has to be the center? I don't know. Like I know Judy Garland had a lot of weird. Yeah. She has a very interesting reputation for film with films. So. You also don't. Uh, so from the point, all right, the first time you see her mm. is a shot that looks out a window as her carriage pulls up to the house and they all get out and come in. Yes. So the first time you ever see her is through a frame. A frame, yeah. She comes into the house and from that moment until the trolley scene, we never see her outside of the house. She is always in that house. Mm. And then she goes into the trolley scene and the framing still continues. Like, it's... I don't know. It was just... I don't know if it, there was any real meaning behind it, but or it's just, just something something I noticed, yeah. and it's a really cool technique. Well, direct directors and directors of photography don't usually do anything without intention. Unless True. back then, it wasn't any intention, but now, because we're so analytical with movies that we're always looking for a somewhat deeper meaning on some things... I mean, I do it. I know I do it. I overanalyze, but... But that's who you are. You yeah. are a filmmaker. You are a creator. You look for things like that. I'm I'm not looking for any of that. I noticed maybe a couple of doorways. <clears throat> I didn't really notice a lot of that stuff. And it's, it's throughout every fucking sequence. Mm. The fucking dance sequence with uh, Tootie. They're framed in that doorway the yep. whole time. Maybe it's just a choice of making it look better, centered. I don't know, Maybe. but you, you're on to something. 
can always Google and find out. I was very interested when I noticed that. Mm. Uh, I guess that brings us into the closing questions. Yes. Overall thoughts? I don't hate it. But this is not one of the old films that I would reach for again. I wanted to try an old film that I'd never really seen. But even the music in this one never really got me. Even Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I'm not a Christmas person. I'm going to be honest. I can't stand Christmas. I'm a big old Scrooge. I'm a humbug. I like Halloween. I like Thanksgiving. I like the fall. I'm not a winter person. Never have been. So even that one, while extremely iconic, just this one just didn't do much for me. I love the old movies. Musicals, not so much. But musicals are a perfect way to kind of branch deeper into these grindhouse movies that we're trying to convey to people. To try these movies that you and I, going into this, were like, ugh, it's going to be a long two hours. It, it, it was. It was a long two hours. But I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we've seen a classic. And this, for a good reason, this is a beautiful lovely story it's very it's not too romantic it's not too crazy but it is i don't know it's good i didn't like it yeah um i pretty much agree um overall we need to disagree at some point i know um <laughs> i think I definitely see why this is a classic. I can see why people would like it. Mm. Um, I'm—I've ne never been. I like musicals, but I've never been really into older musicals. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I—I I don't know. Like visually, the filmmaking, the performances, everything like that, stunning, is great mm. in this movie. I have nothing technically to say to the contrary like I think it's a good movie mm. it's not something I would watch again yep. personally it's just not my cup of tea you guys know that by this point um uh, I just it's good it's not for me yeah I guess that's my takeaway yeah um favorites <clears throat> excuse me while I bring up my favorite line again My favorite line in this entire movie is when Esther goes upstairs after finding out her bow doesn't have a tux to go with her. She, Her sister goes, what's wrong? Or no, her mother comes in. Esther, what's wrong? Nothing. I just wish I was dead. <laughs> that line. I fucking lost it. Oh I lost it, Sean. I almost peed myself laughing. It was so stupid. It was so dramatic. It was true to what a 17-year-old would feel. And a 17-year-old in 1903 still has the same feelings, deadass looking at the camera, as my younger sister, who would do the stomp, stop slam when she wouldn't have her way when she was a teenager at 16. Not calling names. You know who you are. It's not Abigail. But Jesus. true to, like, the way a teenager would react. They would react like... It's the, uh, like, oh my god, it's the end of the world. 
Like this movie, this is the longest cup of coffee of my life. <laughs> oh. Peppermint mocha, you are not us. <sighs> I still have a half a cup. Do you want to finish no. it? No. <laughs> um, favorite scene would probably be when she goes to beat up John. It's very courageous of her to stand up for her younger sister like that. Not knowing all the facts. Just being like, no, you will not do this. She's five years old. How dare you? Beating him up, walking away. She was ready to throw this entire love scenario out the window for her family. And that's what the movie's conveying. That's the tone. That's the message. That no matter what happens, your family is there for you. Which is very pretty. Very beautiful. I love that scene. However, the minute that she finds out that the little girl lied and she shouldn't trust her, she went right to John, tail between her legs, to apologize. Which I was like... Alright, so as long as he beats one of your sisters up, you know, or as long as he doesn't beat one of your sisters up, sorry, you're, you're cool with him. It's fine. You can do anything else. I was just like, mm, alright. But those were my favorites. Um, so I, I had one favorite scene and two favorite lines. Okay. Um, my favorite scene was probably the the snowman massacre. Jesus. Um, not just because of the dark undertone there. Like that, that was awesome. Mm. But it was the performance of it. Like the emotion behind it and like how heavy that must have actually been for those, the characters yeah, at like that this, point. This girl is five or six years old. Like those are really big feelings for a five or six year old to have. Huge feelings. That was a really good scene. It to me, um, my first favorite line, just out of sheer hilarity, mm. was "Tootsie, remember to spank you after dinner." Oh my god! <laughs> that was so funny. And then she looks it's at her sister terrible, and goes, but it's "If I don't remember, can you remember? Dad needs to spank." Oh my it's god! Like, oh my god! <laughs> and bear with me because my absolute favorite line is a little bit of a mouthful. Okay, but. My favorite line of the whole movie was, Oh, if you killed her, I'll kill you. I'll stab you to death in your sleep. Then I'll tie your body to two horses until you're pulled apart. <laughs> this is from Tootsie, by the way. Was that for the from the party scene? That's right at the beginning. When you first meet her. That's one of her first lines. Oh, the lines. cat. No, that's not Tootsie. That's the other girl. That's the other one? That's the other girl. Whatever. It's a child. Yeah, it's a child. <laughs> Like, under the age of ten, child. This is a child's I'll line. I'll stab you. I'll tie you to two horses and pull you apart. It's fucked up. That was the beginning of the movie, and we didn't just look at each other like, What was that? Boys and girls, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, Meet Me in St. Louis is a secret horror film. Change my fucking mind, I dare you. <laughs> This, this movie is gonna... The takeaway from this movie is all musicals from the 30s, 40s, and 50s were secret horror movies and we will figure out their plots. <laughs> this was just... Tootsie is going to kill her entire family before they move to New York. If the dad had not made the last second choice to stay, <laughs> I think Tootsie would have murdered her whole family in their sleep. <laughs> she probably would have. 
Holy shit. Fucking John would have come in the next day to see his fiance just absolutely eviscerated. Just eviscerated. <laughs> Guts everywhere in that beautiful pink bedroom of hers. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Does Sorry it... to anybody who loves this movie and just thinks this is an absolute gorgeous piece of cinema. It was a hard one to get through for us. But we will never absolutely shit on a movie unless it was appropriate. We're not shitting on this movie. This movie is good. I didn't personally like it. It's not our wheelhouse of of movies. So no shade or or nothing to anybody who loves this movie. There is a reason why this movie is loved. We see that. But holy shit, man. Some of the shit in this movie is like... No, no, this is a horror movie. No, this is, a, this is the telling from the naive dumbass's side that almost got killed. Does it work? It's a period piece. I'm not 100% sure. It's a period piece for the nineteen early 1900s the earlys or whatever the fuck they're called so for 1943 44 it was like 40 years prior so i i die i don't know i i honestly cannot answer if it works or not i personally think because it's a classic maybe it does i would have to think about it more i really would my my answer is i don't know by you it works as a horror film (laughs) (laughs) um no uh i think politically no it doesn't work not not today but uh i guess it, it worked then yeah for sure it works as a period piece period piece as a classic yes as a um like it, a lot of the stuff in this is iconic. I can't deny that. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. I can tell you that. Works as a horror movie, though. It works as a horror movie. Would you recommend it? Probably not. I'd recommend this to a specific audience of friends. If you like musicals, if you love Judy Garland, go ahead, give this one a try. It's not my favorite from her. Frankly, I don't have a lot of favorites from Julie Garland. She wasn't my favorite Golden Age actress. Um, Vivian Lee is one of my favorites. Uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Who's the chick that... It's not... It's not... Isabella Rossellini's her daughter. Fuck. Oh boy. Doing good. But like this is this is no, I wouldn't mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend this to like some of my friends, viewers. If you like Judy Garland, if you love old musicals, if you just want to sit down with a glass of wine on a Saturday night and watch an old movie and feel very like heartwarmed, watch this. I wouldn't recommend this to a lot of people though. Um. I can't say that I know anybody that I would recommend this to. Uh, nobody I know really likes classic yeah. cinema. I'm probably the Maybe only one you know. Maybe Belt. 
Maybe Belts would probably appreciate this. He he's a big fan of like the the classics, so I I might recommend this to him if he hasn't seen it. Hmm. But beyond that, I don't. Uh, I'm the only other person that likes classics, and I don't like this movie. Yeah, it's not. You have to really like musicals or really like old movies to yeah. enjoy this. And I like old movies, but not I, this one. Just doesn't work for me. Uh, I, so I probably wouldn't recommend it to many. Um, how would you make it today? I would not touch this. Don't touch it. It is a classic for a reason. It is a beloved classic from the golden age of cinema. You cannot really redo these movies. That's why a lot of these remakes that are happening, happening are like 60s and newer. Like, how do you redo a movie like this? You're never going to have, like... There was just something about the acting, the writing, the, the, the camera work, being in Technicolor. There was something about this. No, I would not touch this movie. Um, I think the only way that you could really redo this if you wanted to today would be to just tell the same basic story in a different with a different title different characters mm. like just do the same movie but different yeah. like that would really be the only way it would work cause like you said it's a classic for a reason like you can't just redo this Yeah, maybe do you could do it on stage of course. Um, that's about it. Is it exploitation or other? No. This is not exploitation. This is something that people wanted and needed in the 1940s. Um, it's a musical. It's a classic. It's a love story. It's romantic. It's gorgeous, but it is not exploitation. Not in my opinion. I agree. Uh, this is... I wouldn't consider this exploitation. It's old enough that maybe it could have been played um, in those types of cinemas. Definitely was played in those types of cinemas. But... And not that, in the grindhouse type of way. No, even... No, like not... I don't... Think Not this in the w- definition that I'm thinking of. Grindhouse. I don't think this would have been double billed with anything, no. but this it definitely probably ran through a few of those slop houses. Yeah. Um. But it's definitely not exploitation. It's just a classic yep. piece of film, and I'm okay with it. Yep. Do you have anything else you'd like to discuss about? About this film? No. I mean, it is a beautiful film. It is a classic. Done and done. With the legendary Judy Garland. Anything this woman touched was gold back then. She was in a lot of stuff. She was one of the most beloved actresses back then. She went through a very tumultuous life. She had an even more t- like terrible you know, relationship with drugs and alcohol. I don't know the Judy Garland story enough to make comments on it, but I know she had a rough life. I know she did. Um, I've watched a lot more stuff with her daughter, Liza Minnelli, in it. I really like Liza Minnelli. I always have. Cabaret, growing up, was one of my favorite movies. 
as a five-year-old, I don't think you should really be watching Cabaret. <laughs> but, you know, you watched Chucky and fucking all this shit at three. Listen, so I don't we're not talk- talking about me. Yeah, we're not talking about you. <laughs> but, <clears throat> no, I, I, I do think this is a classic movie. It's a beautiful movie. Anything we do in this genre is going to be tough. There are some musicals that I love. Sound of Music. I love Sound of Music. Sound of Music is one of the best musical movies from the time. Julie Andrews is a goddamn legend. And no one can tell me she's not. That woman is beautiful, remarkable, amazing. And it sucks she can't sing anymore. But I digress. It's another day. Another time. We'll get there. But I... I'm sorry I didn't like this. I really was hoping I would. But I can see where this isn't my cup of tea anymore either. Like, I really thought this would be like, oh, I really like this one. No. Agreed. Like, I was honestly hoping... And you know what? I did find merit in it. Yeah. Like, I don't expect to like everything. And this, it works. Just not for me. Yep. Um, but I guess that brings this discussion to an end. Um, but please don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for the creepy, crawly coming attractions. From Hollywood Pictures and Amblin Entertainment, when Dr. Ross Jennings and his family decide to move to the country... Oh, Ross, smell that air. They thought they'd found the perfect little town. How are you finding life But instead... It's all rotten down there. I'll call the exterminator. They're getting more... Would anybody object if I tore this floor around? I would. False alarm, then, Leon. ...than anyone's bargained for. Now, experts are moving in. Rock and roll! And neighbors are moving out. There may be some spiders around here that are very dangerous. This is way out of my league. He believes he came across one of the offending spiders a couple hours ago. Actually, probably still in a bottle of my shoe. It's a roller coaster ride you'll never forget. Arachnophobia, the most fun you'll have being scared. Hello? Are you ready, Leah? No. Why? I've avoided this movie. Why's that? I don't like spiders. What's wrong with spiders? spiders. <laughs> I don't like spiders. Knowing that there's a spider in our basement. I don't even know if there is anymore. I don't. We don't but. know if the pet spider is still in the basement or not. But at one point, there was a pet tarantula. Yeah. That terrified me that the thing would get out and crawl up here. It terrified me. Like, I'm not deathly afraid of spiders, but... <laughs> Creepy crawlies. <laughs> well, I don't think, like, yes, this movie might give you the heebie-jeebies, mm. but um, this is, first and foremost, a horror comedy. So There you go with the weird horror comedy crap again. I'm easing you into some of the oh. randomness that we're going to cover here. Oh. Uh, stars Jeff Daniels and John Goodman. Um... The, the goose dude and the guy from Roseanne. It's a good one. 
What? It's a good one. Okay. Um, I think you're gonna, you might, if nothing else, you'll have fun with the cast. And if nothing else, I will get arachnophobia. That was a good one. I'll give you that. (laughs) Um, But that's going to be all for this week. Um, If you want movie recommendations, coffee recommendations, you want to check out our film collection, don't drink this shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If you want to see some behind the scenes, if you want to chat with us, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. Um, Check out our Discord run by Leah. Um, also at Grindhouse Podcast. Yay. Um, if you're listening to us, give us five star ratings on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes can be found every Monday morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you want a more visual experience, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can get every episode in its entirety with video. Um, but that's that's really it. Uh, if you want to show us your support, all that information can be found down in the show notes. Until next week, I'm Sean. And I'm Leah. Thank you for listening and keep watching. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.